Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple. Today we're back in the podcast studio. I've got two very special guests with us today coming all the way to the Project Purple studio via Zoom from Iowa City, Iowa, Brooke and Ryan Dwarves. Brooke and Ryan, thank you for joining us here on the Project Purple Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. So this is a special episode. This will be aired in November. If you haven't heard listening at home, November is Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. So we've got special episodes all month of November with fighters, survivors, people sharing their journeys about pancreatic cancer and everything about raising awareness and amplifying this message. So we're going to get right into this episode. Um, full disclosure, as I say a lot here on, on this podcast, uh, I met Brooke and Ryan via social media. And one of the things that's, uh, I always try to look for the positive in everything. And, and I know social media has kind of been a bit of a toxic place uh, over the last year with everything going on globally, but it's been great for us to connect with people. Um, and I've been able to really connect with some amazing people going through their journeys with pancreatic cancer. So Brooke and Ryan, uh, I think Brooke, you shared something out on social media about your journey. Uh, well, Ryan's journey with pancreatic cancer, which you're part of. And uh, we connected and we were able to kind of communicate and talk a little bit about it. And then I was like, oh, I'd love to get you guys on the podcast. And here we are today. So um, as we always do with our guests, the first segment of our podcast is your opportunity, Brooke and Ryan, to share Ryan's journey with pancreatic cancer. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll hand it off to you guys. All right. Thank you. Um, so I was diagnosed in, um, in mid-March. And so I'm going to kind of um, start back here a few months of where I, where I think the, um, you know, the kind of the first signs of, of the cancer uh, started. And so that would uh, be back in November of 2020. And so I had some stomach pain, um, some constipation, um, went to an urgent care. I kind of, I put up with it for a few days, just, you know, I was thinking it was, was gas. Um, and, and so I, I went to, um, an urgent care that we had here in the area. Um, and so they took me in for an x-ray, you know, of course, didn't really see any, any gas or anything. You know, once again, I had, you know, no idea what was, what was potentially in store later on. Um, and so, uh, but then after a couple of days, this, this stomach pain, um, you know, went away. And so once again, I didn't think anything, you know, more about it, it went away. And then, um, and then what ended up happening is, uh, back into then, uh, March, um, of 2021, um, I started having a very similar pain. Um, this time it was, it was kind of in a little bit different of an area, more on the left side of my of my stomach area, and then kind of going around to a little bit on the back as well, too. You know, once again, I just kind of thought, oh, here's, you know, a gas, um, you know, type thing, just indigestion, things like that. And uh, so then it was actually right before spring break. So I'm, I'm a teacher. And so uh, the Friday, the last Friday before we had a week long spring break, um, and before we were supposed to go on a trip to down to the Gulf coast, uh, for a week with our, with our two kids, um, 
I got home from work and I guess over that previous week, it had just kind of, it increased a little bit, but it kind of come and gone. Um, but then on that Friday, uh, the last day that I had of work before we were going to leave the next day uh, for our trip and it just kind of got worse as the day went on. And so I got home from work and I talked to my, to my wife and she, uh, and she's like, well, why don't you just go to the ER? You know, let's get this taken care of. We got this trip that we're doing, you know, we're driving down, which is, you know, it's going to be like a 12, 13 hour drive. Um, well, and by that point in time, it had radiated up to his chest. Yeah. So he was in quite a bit of pain and it was like, okay, yeah, hurry up. You may as well just head to the ER, get this taken care of so we can leave, you know, the next morning. Yeah. And so, um, so I went by myself, you know, to the ER and, and, uh, and kind of what, um, kind of what they did, I guess there is I kind of just explained everything that was going on. And so they did some lab work, um, and they actually did a, uh, they did a chest, uh, CT and that came back. Okay. Um, they also did, um, based off of my kind of my descriptions, um, they did a D dimer, uh, for blood clots. And, um, and so that was really the only thing, um, initially that came back as, as abnormal was that I had, um, these blood clots. Hmm. And so then I got sent back again to get a, um, kind of abdomen pelvis, you know, lower down, uh, CT. Because um, his, his chest CT came back fine. So when the chest CT came back fine, but the D dimer came back abnormal, they were like, okay, well, he's got blood clots, but where? So that's when they took him back and did the chest, abdomen, pelvis and found multiple blood clots along with what they called a mass on the tail of his pancreas. Yep. And so then at that point, um, you know, we have two hospitals here um, in Iowa City. And so um, the other hospital uh, that I was at uh, transferred me to the um, University of Iowa hospitals, which is where I've um, you know, been going um, you know, since. And, and so, yeah, so these blood clots um, were, I think, what was causing the pain in my spleen. And then just kind of what happened is they discovered then the mass on the tail of my pancreas. So his, um, the blood clots he had were in his main splenic vein, his distal main portal vein, his right portal vein. And then he'd also developed, um, what the scan called as numerous varices and collaterals, which are little blood vessels that grow to bypass the blood clots. Um, so they knew that it had been around for a while. Um, and we were pretty concerned at that point in time, you know, and of course the, you hear mass, um, and we immediately went to cancer. Um, so at that point in time, Ryan, they, when they transferred us to the university of Iowa, it was, about midnight on March 12th. Um, and because they knew they didn't know how else to get us to the university. So they said, they sent us to the ER and from the ER, they actually admitted Ryan since it was, um, spring break week, three of the four gastroenterologists were gone. Um, and 
so they kept him for a couple of days trying to figure out what they were going to do with him and finally discharged him um, and said, well, somebody will call you to make an appointment. And we were like, uh, we're not okay with that. So we were calling Monday morning um, and somebody finally, I think it was Tuesday, they finally got their ducks in a row and called him back and said, well, the doctor, um, the only gastroenterologist that's here this week likes to see his patients before scheduling a biopsy. And we were like, oh, more, you know, more time is wasting. What's going on? Um, I'll let you go a little more. And so, yeah. So, I mean, it was just, yeah, obviously, you know, it's a stressful time and, you know, and not knowing what, um, you know, cause you're always thinking the worst. And so just kind of not knowing, not having, um, those answers and, you know, as, as soon as you would want them, uh, you know, was, was definitely stressful. And then also, um, I'll bring up too, and, um, that my, my uncle on, on, on my dad's side, he, uh, he had pancreatic cancer. So he was diagnosed, Oh, about, about three years, um, prior, um, to, to my diagnosis. And so, um, so, you know, that was also kind of weighing on me seeing that family, uh, connection as well too. And, uh, and so, you know, that was kind of, um, yeah, just kind of nerve wracking there. Um, but we did get the biopsy scheduled. Um, and also something that we, that we did right away too. Um, and, you know, I would, I would recommend this, um, to, to listeners as well, too, or people that are going through similar situations is that we made a, a, a pretty strict diet change, um, kind of overhauled my diet. Um, basically what that entailed was at the, at the sorry to interrupt, oh, yeah. but it was at the recommendation of his aunt and uncle that again, had been, um, you know, battling pancreatic cancer for three years at that point. Um, they said that they had seen numerous doctors that, of course, low fat diet. Um, mm -hmm. and then what they also suggested was things to help with lessen inflammation. So, um, so we immediately went no dairy, no red meat because it's hard to digest, no sugar. Um, or, you know, we did the best we could with no added sugar into things, obviously no alcohol. Um, and, uh, no eggs. So we've been doing egg whites and that sort of thing. But, um, that did Ryan at that point in time, Ryan was having the continued side pain. Mm. Um, and about probably what a week or two after we made the diet change, that side pain went away. So, you know, we don't know whether what exactly was contributing. Um, but the diet change seemed to help. Were the clots, I just have a quick question. So what, when you say like the, the side pain, so the original medical diagnosis, and I use air quotes here for our listeners that can't see this at home, uh, were the blood clots and that that's what they were saying was that original pain. So yes, you go in through, his spleen, in the spleen. So you go through the, these changes, did the, testing after that show that the blood clots had kind of dissipated or gone away, or was it just that the pain had gone away? Now it could have been the diet. It could have been just because similar to what you said in the beginning, Ryan, like you had this pain back in November kind of mm -hmm. subsided and then it came back. Yeah. So, um, uh, it, so the change in diet just helped with the pain. Um, you know, as we kind of 
got to see more of and talk to more doctors about the blood clots. Um, there was quite a few um, all around it. So I, I don't believe that helped uh, the blood clots at all. Um, and so, you know, one thing that I, you know, they put me on blood thinners, um, you know, obviously right away uh, for that as well, too. Um, and so I, I don't think it's a situation with the blood clots. It's actually, I mean, it's better, I, I, I think now, but, um, but I don't know if it's, I, I think it's always going to kind of be somewhat of an issue a little bit. The blood clot in his um, main splenic vein had basically, it, that one was the worst um, and it killed half his spleen. Mm -hmm. So they said that the, that's where the pain was coming from was actually his spleen, you know, dying and not working as well. Um, so yeah, whether, you know, we're not sure what the, what made the pain go away. Um, but it seemed to help after the diet change. Mm -hmm. And I will say that, and I wasn't questioning whether the diet, it's just interesting. I mean, low inflammation is key. Um, we've had plenty mm -hmm. of people talk about that, you know, and, and there's ways to do that. And, um, you know, the, we've always been open on this podcast. So I love that you guys brought that up because, um, you know, I, I think diet does play a role in, in recovery and also in treatment, um, you know, and, and so that's really critical and, and important. And so I'm glad you brought that up. And, you know, inflammation, you know, can be done from a dietary standpoint and then also from, you know, a, a holistic standpoint as well. Like, you know, stress, like stress, like a lot of people, you know, I mean, this is a very stressful situation. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, a lot of people turn to yoga and even exercise. I know that that kind of sounds kind of crazy, you know, when you're battling cancer, but you still, some people still have that time or not time, but energy to exercise. Mm -hmm. um, which can help reduce that inflammation, but, you know, reducing inflammation is key. I mean, it, if you really look at it from a biological standpoint, cancer is inflammation, right? Like if you really look at it and so how do we reduce that inflammation, you know, is really critical to success sometimes. So I, I love that you guys brought that up. Yeah. And, um, just as an added side note, you know, Ryan <clears throat> was not the healthiest eater prior to anyway. Um, you know, I mean, he was a big meat and potatoes guy didn't, um, I, I liked my sugar, you know, I, <laughs> so Reese's peanut butter cups. <laughs> so, so yes, I mean, it, it definitely wasn't easy, um, to do. So, yep. you know, I, you know, diets are, are not easy, but, um, you know, my wife stuck on me and, uh, you know, we, we kind of just had to totally flip it. And really once you kind of got going, um, it's, it's, it's not as difficult as I was prepared for it to be. I mean, were there still times I was kind of frustrated that I couldn't have, you know, a steak or, you know, milk or some type of candy that, you know, I always enjoyed. Um, yes, that is, that was difficult. And, but at the, the further you go along, I mean, it's, it's, it's improved. I mean, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm not as negative as I was originally about it. Um, I probably focused maybe too much on on that diet part. Um, but, uh, but no, it, it's, it's definitely been, um, you know, a positive, um, and I would, and. Well, and there's so many great alternatives now. I mean, one, we're fortunate to live in a bigger town mm -hmm. that has a lot of organic, um, healthier options for you, but we, um, 
went out and got all sorts of different varieties of, you know, dairy-free cheese. We, we love cheese. And so to be able to find something that was, you know, a, a really good alternative to something that he liked beforehand really helped his mentality going through everything. Um, so just finding those other options that was as close to the, you know, original thing as possible really helped, especially in those first couple of weeks when, like you said, the stress, then, you know, you've got this diet change and, you know, worry about, okay, I'm 36 and being diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. It's kind of, um, a little unfathomable uh, at times, but. So let's talk a little bit about that now. So you, you go through the testing, you find this doctor with the, doing the biopsy to get that biopsy right away and then change, making these changes to the diet. So then where do we go from there? So the biopsy gets done, I assume. Yeah. So, um, so actually, yeah, um, actually going back, uh, a day before the biopsy, um, Brooke has worked in, um, in the hospital. Um, and so she actually had some colleagues that were able to, um, you know, just kind of talk with some, um, other doctors and just help us get us connected. So, cause we wanted to kind of get moving on this thing as quickly as possible. Um, you know, we had already kind of sat and waited for things and it's like, this isn't what we want to do. We want to attack this, um, you know, right away and let's, you know, let's get going. And so, um, so actually the day before the biopsy, we actually, um, met with, um, my oncologist and, and my, uh, surgeon, um, to, to kind of come up with a plan. Um, you know, what are we going to do? What's, you know, tell us what, you know, what do we need to know? What steps do we need to take? And let's, let's get this plan ready. And that way, you know, if the biopsy comes as kind of what we're prepared for, you know, kind of that prepare for the worst, let's, let's do it. So, um, so yeah, so we, we met with them, we came up with the plan, um, you know, actually before we officially got the results of the biopsy. Um, and so, so we were kind of ready to go. Um, and so, yeah, what, what then, in, uh, came after that is obviously then the biopsy came after that, um, confirmed that yes, there was, there was a mass on, you know, it's cancerous, um, on the tail of my pancreas. And, but the good thing was, is, you know, that nothing had metastasized. So everything was, was confined uh, to the tail of the pancreas. Um, and so, yeah, so then what our plan was, uh, you know, that we developed um, was that uh, was going to start uh, chemo and do, so the plan was to do uh, 12, 12 rounds of chemo um, every other week. And, um, and then have uh, like surgery after six, uh, chemo treatments. So the doctors had said that, you know, that there tends to be more success, um, with, with starting out with chemo. And, and so we were going to do six rounds of, of treatment, um, and then have surgery and then, um, and then six more rounds after surgery. And so, um, but unfortunately, you know, even though you come up with a great plan, it doesn't always, uh, kind of end up, uh, you know, going as planned. And so, um, so we, so we started chemo, um, on April 1st. So really, I mean, it was a pretty quick turnaround from, you know, March, uh, March 12th, uh, was diagnosis, um, or where it was found. And we were starting chemo on April 1st. So, you know, just a, a handful of weeks later. Um, and so, 
so yeah, so the, the plan got interrupted. Um, we did three rounds of chemo. Um, you know, everything for the most part went great. Um, as far as, you know, reactions to chemo, um, you know, didn't really have any, uh, had a little one on the, on the, on my very first, uh, thing, but I kind of relate that maybe to a bunch of different things. Cause I got my port put in that morning and then had chemo later in the day. I, I kind of think that that maybe had something to do with it. Um, but, uh, and so, so we had to make a few changes, um, you know, with, with the chemo meds, but, uh, but yeah, so we did three rounds of chemo and then I guess kind of what interrupted the plan was I ended up having a uh, low platelet, um, issues, um, you know, with my, with, in my blood. And so the doctors do a really good job of explaining that, um, the spleen is kind of like the clubhouse for your platelets. And so if the spleen is damaged, um, they had an inkling that this might happen that, you know, you add the chemotherapy on top of it, which injures your cells. And then with the spleen being so injured, it started kind of holding on to all of the platelets and not releasing them the way that it was supposed to. So his platelet count got pretty low. Um, and by mid May, uh, or no, the beginning of May, it got to the point where it was too low to do chemo. Hmm. And so the, you know, we, Ryan and I were planning between ourselves. Okay. What are we going to do here? I bet they're going to delay chemo. And, um, the doctor came in and, you know, kind of blew us out of the water. And she's like, I think we need to schedule surgery. And we're like, Whoa, we weren't, we weren't thinking about that, but through, she said, you know, it's, it's your guys's decision. We could, we could try and delay a week and see what happens. And I thought, you know, no, we will, let's move forward. Let's get this taken care of. Ryan's young. We hadn't really had any side effects from chemo at that point in time. And it was like, nope, let's, let's get this baby out while we can and, you know, keep marching forward from there. Yep. And so, um, so I ended up having uh, surgery on uh, June 4th, um, just this past summer. And, um, and so, they removed roughly, you know, a third to about a half of the pancreas. Um, and then along with the pancreas, uh, you know, they removed the spleen because that was already, you know, fairly damaged anyway. Um, and then also the gallbladder as well, too. So it's a full Whipple then? Uh, did not have Whipple. Oh, the uh, pancreatectomy then? It, yep. They, so, yep. yep. It's called a distal pancreatectomy. Yep. Distal, yep. 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 And so, um, yeah, so everything with the surgery, um, you know, went well, had clean margins. Um, and then after the surgery, I was in the hospital, uh, for six days, um, afterwards. Um, but really everything, I mean, beside, you know, it was painful right away <laughs> is my best memory of the night after the surgery, but really with each day, um, you know, pain, you know, pain got better. And so, um, you know, the surgery went, went as well as, as, as can be expected. So, and, um, and yeah, so, uh, no, I was just going to jump in here. So you, you, you go through this fairly quickly. Um, I know you mentioned your uncle before the genetic testing, was that done early on? So did you, did, when did, when in turn did you get those results? Cause I imagine that may have like, cause we know with genetic testing, 
depending on how the outcome is, will determine the treatment regimen. So that potentially can move and shift the timeline a bit. Yep. So, yeah, so we had the genetic testing done. Um, that was at the, that was at the end of March. A couple, so, yeah, a couple yep. days so before it, he yep. started chemo. So they, when we met with the oncologist, um, her initial plan was to, um, you know, go forward with the standard treatment, which mm-hmm. is fulfirinox right now. Yep. And so, um, knowing what we knew, once everything popped up with the mass on the pancreas, um, again, his aunt and uncle reached out to us right away. They sent his genetic testing. We learned that, um, there were numerous people in Ryan's family that were BRCA positive. Um, and so the oncologist, when we spoke with her said, you know, we asked about genetic testing and she said, yes, absolutely. We would send you anyway, Mm -hmm. because somebody with a pancreatic mass at the age of 36 is very unusual if there's not something else going on. So we suspected at that point that he was more than likely positive for a BRCA2 mutation. Mm -hmm. And, um, so we met with the geneticist. She gave us all of the information about the cancers that are linked to a BRCA mutation. Um, and yes, the tests actually took, um, about four weeks to come back, maybe three to four weeks. Um, but moving forward with the information of being assumed BRCA positive until we got the initial results, um, the doctor said that, you know, the fulfirinox contained oxaliplatin BRCA is susceptible to the platinum based drugs. So we moved forward with fulfirinox. And so, um, yeah, so as far as after the surgery, um, I had about five weeks um, in between. So post-surgery, um, five weeks, and then we restarted uh, chemo again as well, too. Um, and we also then had some uh, issues uh, with um, with the low white blood cell count was kind of the next thing that then became a problem. And so, um, so then I ended up getting a new Lasta shot to help boost those up. Um, and so that was, uh, and so that did its job. It actually almost boosted it you know, almost up too far, but, um, but, uh, but yeah, so then we, uh, kept doing, let's see how many more rounds of chemo was that we had, uh, six, six more. Okay. So we had six more rounds of chemo. Um, and then at that point, um, was starting to have, uh, my liver enzymes were starting to come back in my, in my blood work, um, as, as too high. And so that was kind of the next concern, um, there. And, um, and so what we, so by mid September, they got high enough that the doctor was like, okay, we can't continue chemo we think we're causing some liver damage. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, she talked to, um, numerous, even somebody at a different hospital. She talked to her colleagues and, you know, again, at 36 years old with no prior, you know, liver issues, they could not figure out what was going on. So, um, she got us in with a hepatologist the hepatologist said, you know, we'll run a few more tests, but it appears that you've got uh, drug-induced liver injury. 
and you cannot have chemo. Hmm. So lucky for us at that point in time, the doctor had said, you know, you're two thirds of the way through, you've received nine rounds. You're, you're, um, they had done a test, a, um, she said it's a relatively new test for, uh, pancreatic cancer. And it's, um, she called it a blood serum assay. Mm -hmm. Uh, the actual test we looked it up is called a CRC molecular residual disease test. Mm -hmm. And so she had done that test actually when he started back up with chemo in July and the results came back, um, took about six weeks to come back. Um, and they came back negative, which means there was no molecular disease floating around in his blood. So they take his blood, they took it in July and they, um, took a piece of his tumor and they make a serum and they compare the two to see if there's anything floating around in his blood. If it comes back negative from the studies that they've done with colorectal cancer or colon cancer, um, there is a 90% likelihood that he will not have early recurrence. So likewise, then if it came back positive, there's about a 90% chance that he will have early recurrence. Um, the unfortunate part about this test that's going on right now that our oncologist said is that it's so new that even if it comes back positive, they, they wouldn't change anything. They wouldn't know what to do. Um, you know, it's not a necessarily a given that something will happen. Um, but it's just, it, it, you know, increases the likelihood. So they, um, with that, given that information, she was pretty confident that we should not move forward with chemo because of the liver issues. So his last treatment was September 17th. And he actually, he had um, some lab work this morning um, and we're pretty excited. Tom. So, so my CA-19 um, had it always kind of it always kind of bounced around. Um, Even after surgery, it was all over the place. Yeah. And so the highest, which I know that people have tend to have a lot higher than, mm -hmm. you know, than what I even had for my CA-19 uh, level, but that at the highest, it was in the 900s. Um, and then I just had a yeah blood test this morning um, and that came back at, uh, for at 29. So that's been the lowest, I think that it's been, it's the lowest it's ever time. been Yeah. Wow. when he, um, when it got drawn right after they found the mass, it was at 343. And then even after a couple rounds of chemo, it was still going up and then it finally started coming down. And then even after surgery, the lowest it was after surgery was 44 but it bounced around all over the place. So the highest it was after surgery was actually 186. And um, so it was a little nerve wracking, but also neat kind of going in and having it drawn just to see, you know, what was going to happen. So it, it's really fantastic. And we're really happy with that result today. Obviously it's not the end all be all. Um, they did another blood draw to do that molecular residual testing. Um, we're hoping that it's still negative and we'll go from there. 
It's awesome. Uh, so regular levels of uh, your CA199 is uh, zero to 37. So you're in a normal range, which mm -hmm. is yeah. amazing. I know, uh, you know, and there, and there are some people, you know, like uh, we've had people on the podcast, um, you know, that, that have had high C, CA199. Um, I know a couple people individually that, you know, are, are, NED, no evidence of disease, and they have higher CA-199, but no one can explain why to them, which is kind of fascinating and a little scary. Um, you know, but I, I, I have a question here. The big question here, Ryan, is how do you feel like through all this? Like, you know, I mean, I know you said originally you had this pain. So yeah, there's pain after the surgery you mentioned, but how do you feel? Honestly... It, it's, it's really crazy. Cause you know, you, everybody has, has asked me that, you know, and, and that's, I think that's always, you know, people struggle with the chemo, you know, uh, you know, feel sick and things like that. Honestly, besides the, you know, the things I explained before, I mean, I have felt as, as normal as, as possible. Um, it's, it's really been quite amazing that to think that the things that I've gone through that I have felt normal. I, I, you know, it hasn't changed much of my things I do. I'm, you know, was still going to work besides, you know, the times that I had doctor's appointments and things like that. So there was, there was never a time that I felt, you know, ill, um, or hurt anywhere besides, besides the other things I've mentioned. Um, so I feel very lucky that I haven't had some of those other you know, just symptoms or other signs of, of going through, um, treatment of cancer and having cancer because I, I'm, I'm, I just consider myself very lucky because I have not had, you know, I, I feel as good now as I did, you know, pretty much back in March, um, April, like nothing has really changed that much. Um, so I guess I'm just extremely blessed. I, I, you know, with that, um, something that's very interesting. And we asked the oncologist about this. It wasn't into, um, you know, we got into, I don't know, chemo round number seven or number eight, maybe. And she was really hammering on the neuropathy. Are you sure you're not having neuropathy and tapping on the end of his fingers? And he's like, no, I'm not having it. And she's like, this is just phenomenal. Usually when we get into round, you know, six, seven, people really start feeling it. Um, and it wasn't until he was done with chemo that he got neuropathy. <laughs> like it's the weirdest. We even emailed her and we're like, we're, you know, three weeks past chemo. And he all of a sudden has developed some tingly fingers and toes. And I said, how long does the chemo hang around? And she goes, oh, the chemo is gone by now, but absolutely these side effects from it mm -hmm. could be popping up right now, you know? And she's like, they may magically go away. You might have them forever. You know, we just never know. So it's, it's very weird and they're not, um, I think it's more kind of a nuisance. It's not inhibiting him from doing anything. Um, but just very weird. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess I did forget to mention that. Yeah. That, that came on. Um, and, and, and like Brooke said, it's, 
it's a nuisance, but it's something where if I'm doing something, it's not stopping me from, from doing anything. Sometimes I even, you know, kind of just forget about it, but, you know, as it's getting into, you know, the colder season here in, in winter, um, you know, I think I just need to be more, you know, recognize it and know that I need to, you know, bundle up and things like that. But, but really, um, besides, besides that's been the worst of it, which, you know, I consider myself very lucky that that, um, that is, that's really the worst thing. Cause I know there could be a lot worse. Um, you know, and as far as going through the chemo treatments, I mean, really just besides being tired, um, I guess I did have, um, kind of a, a bad bout of constipation, but kind of, once we kind of figured out what we needed to do to, to kind of, uh, to help with that, um, everything improved, um, a lot as far as that goes. And, um, yeah, yeah I was going to, since you mentioned the constipation that's one of the things, um, you know, we had the first, the very first chemo appointment, he's sitting in the chair, they're hooking him up and the pharmacist comes in and starts talking about everything. And oh my goodness, you know, again, I've been around healthcare, um, since 2005, uh, I actually worked in the cancer center for five years. Um, and consider myself a little medically inclined. I probably, you know, know enough to be dangerous. Um, but the pharmacist sits down and starts going over all of the medications that he's going to get and everything they're going to send him home with. And, you know, holy cow, was that overwhelming? I mean, it was so overwhelming. Um, and one of the, but one of the things that he talked about was that some of the medication can cause diarrhea and that diarrhea actually is linked with mouth sores. And it was very interesting because at that point in time, you know, I kind of looked at Ryan and I said, I bet you don't have any of that because he tends towards constipation. And which again was one of the kind of factors that, you know, when things started clear back in November of 2020, it was kind of a, a an indicator that something wasn't right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, of course, being a guy, they don't go to the doctor, you know, and so I pestered him and that's when he finally went in. And when they came back and said, well, we think it's gas. I'm like, it's not gas. You, you are the most regular person there is <laughs> something is going on. Um, but then it went away, you know? And so you don't push it because it's like, well, it's, it's gone. He must be fine. Um, but when we met with, um, a couple different doctors, they said that that absolutely was the start of everything. Um, so they think it, it probably, you know, the cancer started probably growing in August or September of 2020 by November of 2020, it was starting to cause some problems. Um, and again, then we, you know, nothing really blew up to be so bad that, you know, they really started digging until March of 2021, um, and so, you know, we really just want to tell people that are listening to this, that, you know, we all know our bodies the best mm -hmm. doctors for as much as they know, there's so much they don't know. And if something is off, keep pushing and keep pushing. Don't just, you know, I think as human beings, we're like, oh, it must be this or, oh, it must be this, or maybe I ate something bad. No, if something is, is different with your body and it's not behaving the way that it's supposed it normally does go get it checked out. You know, it, 
doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you're going to be diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, but it could also be, we know so much that, especially with pancreatic cancer, if it's found early, you have a better chance. And so that was one of the things that we wanted to. Yeah. Um, yeah, I totally agree. That's, um, and you know, I was, like I said, we were going to go on a trip, um, you know, the next day and I, in the, in my mind, I'm like, can I deal with this for another week? You know, <laughs> it will it, something that'll just go away. And, you know, it, it was not going to, and, you know, obviously I'm glad that I, that I went in and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it was blood clots because, you know, the blood clots are what, you know, this, you know, what made us discover the, you know, the mass on my pancreas. And so, um, you know, yeah. So to, to go along with my wife's, you know, message there is, yeah, we know our bodies. Yeah. If something is not quite right and it's, you know, it's continuing on past, you know, a day or two, you know, it, it needs to be taken, you know, you should take it seriously and, and yeah, and see it, you know, your family doctor or, you know, if it needs to be an ER visit, um, just, you know, do things that can help, um, you know, hopefully catching things early. And in my, in, in my situation, you know, obviously pancreatic cancer isn't, you know, I'm very fortunate that I got caught early. Just, you know, there were so many things that I guess I'll say went well, or maybe didn't go well that led to, um, the cancer being caught early, but, um, but, you know, listen to the, listen to your body is, is really, um, you know, very important. Such a powerful message there, you know, from both of you guys in terms of, you know, we are our biggest advocates, right? And and that's like, I think that the thing, you know, Brooke, you, you said it and then, you know, Ryan, you're, you're re reiterating it, you know, in terms of like, we go to the doctor, but then like, you know, doctor says something and whether or not I, I think some people agree or disagree with it, they just kind of roll with it. Right. And there, there may yes. sometimes like, I don't know if it's a, it's a stigma, I think is really that probably the best term, you know, that people have, like, they can't say, like if a doctor says something and I'm not saying that doctors, you know, they're humans, they make mistakes or they, you know, they're busy. They, they have to see 40, 50 people a day. So, you know, Oh, well, it's just, you know, gas, like take gas X and you'll be fine. No, that's not like it. I'm telling you, it's something else, you know, and, but that's, yes. it's frustrating, but it's also, I, I think a testament that we audience listening at home, you have to be your biggest advocate. If you don't like the answer, you go somewhere else. Um, and to your guys credit, you know, that, uh, thank God you had people there at that first center that realized like, Hey, this is legit and we got to get you to a better center and, you know, got yes. you to the, 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 the experts at the cancer center. And then you got a, a really good team of, of doctors there that, you know, were able to recognize things really quick. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know. They work together so well. I am, you know, they are the epitome of multidisciplinary team. Um, you know, we initially, again, when we started reaching out, trying to see if we could get seen by somebody before the results of the biopsy came back, because that's, unusual. Usually they want the biopsy first for a confirmation and then they go from there. Well, I wasn't going to take that for an answer. <laughs> and so, um, reached out to some old colleagues at the cancer center and got hooked up with the surgeon. And the surgeon said, you know, I really want you to see this oncologist also so we can develop a plan. And 
we are so, so grateful for the teamwork and the communication because when the biopsy results came back with pancreatic adenocarcinoma, we already had our plan. You know, we, we were going in there. It was not this like heart dropping point in this journey. Like, what do we do now? Yeah. Saying, you know, we, we already had everything settled prepared for it and we were ready to, and to go with the next step. And for that, I am, I am so thankful because we know that that's not typically the way that the path goes with people. Um, and I really think that maybe that, you know, it, maybe it should be changed. I understand that it could cause some additional work up front, um, for people that maybe don't end up having cancer. Maybe it ends up being a benign growth. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when you come in and you've got a mass on your pancreas, it's, there's something going on. And, um, again, even at that point in time, they said, you know, even if it is benign, this is, you're still going to have to have surgery. So here's what we can do for you. And we are so, so grateful for that. Well, it's frustrating. I I think from our standpoint here as advocates that more people don't get the experience you guys experienced, right. And and having that plan. And, you know, maybe this is the testament to your folks experience that, you know, people listening, as we said, you got to advocate, you know, have a plan, you know, push for a plan regardless, you know, regardless of what the results may be to your point, right? Like eventually that thing's got to come out more than likely, you know, even if yes. it's uh, unless it's like one of these IPMNs, which I know depending, you know, which is uh, you know, a benign tumor. Uh, but you know, doctors tend to like want to get those out anyways, because there's a high percentage that those, you know, depending on the further testing that they do, I'm not an expert, I'm not a, a surgical oncologist, but I know enough of them and talk to them about this, that, you know, those things tend to kind of cook as they say, and then yes. eventually kind of, you know, cause a, cause an issue. Yeah. Later down, down the road. So yeah, I, I think it's, it's really critical what you guys said there about having that plan. And, you know, I got a question here that came up you know, Ryan and Brooke, you guys both, I, I know you guys prepared a bit here and, and being a teacher, Ryan, I'm sure you, you prepared a bit. Um, you seem to handle this in a very, um, very concise way. Like here's the cancer, here's how we dealing with it. Is that how you've always dealt with maybe challenges and obstacles in your life? Do you, do you credit maybe a parent, Brooke? I know you guys have been married for quite some time. When I, I say, I see in the background, it's 2012. So it wasn't like you guys got <laughs> married last year uh, and you have kids. So that prepares you for this. But so as, is that how you tackle things normally? I mean, being what, what grade do you teach? First of all, and this will probably say a lot. Well, so I'm, I'm high school. Okay. There you um, go. <laughs> and I will say that I probably am not like that at all. Um, so I would give it all to my wife. Um, shout out Smart to man. her for everything. Um, being the support through all this. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, she was the one that was gung ho on having this plan meeting with this, you know, if this is what it ends up being, let's keep moving. So, um, Ryan, bless him. <clears throat> Sorry. 
is he's a special ed high school teacher. He is, um, you know, the only way that he could put up with me is because he's so patient. I'm very patient, laid back. He's laid back. He's patient. He's so kind. And um, in this situation, you know, there is, he, we, you know, got him home from the hospital. Didn't know for sure yet that it was cancer. But again, you know, we had a pretty good idea, especially given the family history of the BRCA mutation. Um, and at one point in time, he was just kind of sitting there, I think even on our bed here. And I said, you know, you got to fight. Like, you have got to prepare yourself mentally and physically for a fight. We have kids. I need you. And I mean, it was like a pep rally, you know, and I was, I was getting ready. Like I was ready to throw punches. Like, let's do this. I am ready to fight. I will fight with you. And, um, you know, whether I had to drag him through, through this or not, um, you know, that's kind of systematically what we did. We went, you know, when you mentioned kids that so we went through infertility issues and it, it, there was never a, um, there's not time for despair. You know, I, there is a goal. You make a plan. Sometimes that plan doesn't always go the way that you hope. Um, but if you have a plan, you have, you know, the, another, another step in you have like in a the goal. Game. Yeah, you have like a goal to work towards. Um, and I know I've, you know, we've listened to numerous of, of the podcasts on here, and and you know, a big thing that they, you know, that multiple people have said is, you know, keeping that positivity. You know, sure things are going to be sad. There's times for that, but you just got to keep, you just got to keep, keep fighting, keep that positive attitude because, you know, no, nothing about this is fun, but uh, you know but you got to have that goal in mind. And, you know, the goal is obviously to beat it. And so, so you want to just stay positive. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of another big message and big takeaway, especially after listening to, um, you know, numerous other podcasts on here and is that these, these survivors have been really pretty positive or they've had a great support system. And so that's, you know, that's the mindset that we've, that we had right from the beginning. And we decided we, you know, again, um, being younger, it's like, um, you know, we're saving for retirement. And when we, when we retire, then, you know, we're going to travel and we're going to do all these things. And it's like, yes, we can still do that, but that's silly. Like, what if you don't get there? Anybody, not, not just, you know, um, people with cancer, it's, you know, so we decided we're going to do what we can today. And, you know, again, we, we like traveling. And, um, so, you know, like you said, our, our 10 year anniversary is coming up next year. And I said, Hey, when we're done with this, we're going on a big trip. So we're going to go up the California coast and, um, yeah, we're going to live. I love it. I love it. Uh, I've got a couple questions here for you guys. You guys, we've been in a pandemic. Um, how has that been? Has that 
change it. I mean, not that you would know any different, but knowing that, you know, the world has been in this uh, COVID pandemic and, you know, getting cancer, you know, in, in 2021 is a different experience than getting cancer in 19, 2019. So did that impact anything along the journey here? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it, it, it did. Um, I, I don't think it necessarily did. Uh, you know, obviously all the precautions, hospitals, um, you know, wearing masks throughout and, you know, as a teacher, um, you know, our, our district and, um, had kind of mandated masks anyway. And so, so it was something that we were used to my wife working in the, you know, in the healthcare anyway. Um, you know, so, so that wasn't a big, um, change for us. Um, you know, maybe when it came to like visitors, um, things like that, but luckily, uh, you know, Brooke was able to come to all my appointments, uh, with me, um, you know, and so my hospital stay, you know, that I guess was probably the biggest, I guess I'll say, uh, hindrance with COVID just because, you know, they had, um, you know, set visitor hours, which I think mm -hmm. was about four or five hours per day. Um, you know, between uh, like, I think it was like two and seven. Um, but really besides, I mean, besides that, and, you know, maybe Brooke has a different opinion. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like it's affected much. Now, obviously we were, we were already quite deep into the pandemic, um, you know, as I got diagnosed. So I guess I don't have anything to compare it to, but, um, yeah. We, yeah, my, my viewpoint is definitely a lot different, um, because, we, I've seen what COVID can do, um, with some of our patients in the hospital and knowing that Ryan was immunocompromised, um, you know, that was one of the things that I was scared to death, just trying to keep everybody safe. Um, and we, we were fortunate in the fact that with me being in the healthcare field, I got, um, I chose to get the vaccine as soon as it was available. And then Ryan, interestingly enough, again, because he was a teacher, he was able to get it a little earlier in the state of Iowa as well. He actually got his second COVID vaccine two weeks before this whole thing happened. Oh, wow. So we, we even had wondered, you know, about the blood clots and COVID and stuff. And it was like, no, that's <laughs> definitely not it. Um, but, uh, you know, Yes, with the fact that the hospital that, you know, he had got, the University of Iowa hospitals, they've changed their visitor restrictions. So um, the great thing about it was any of our the cancer patients were always able to have one support person, even throughout the worst of the pandemic. Um, they felt that it was significant to um, visits with all the information that you're getting along with mental health that it was, you know, they needed to have a support person come with them. So we were fortunate in that part of it as well. Um, and then Ryan mentioned, obviously the hospital stay was, yeah, probably the worst, the six days. Um, I was already at the hospital. So again, I was able to go, um, you know, it, it, sometimes I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I snuck in there an hour early to go see him. Um, hopefully no one's listening. Hardest, yeah. The hard, yeah. Right. <laughs> From the hospital. <laughs> the that hardest is. part was, um, I know for Ryan was not having the kids be able to come. Mm 
So, you know, usually I, I probably would have brought the kids in every night to see him and, um, you know, depending of course on how he was doing, but that, um, wasn't able to happen. So that part was probably difficult on everybody, but we're fortunate too. We've got family in the area. So, um, we've been really lucky with all of that, that, you know, taking care of the kids hasn't been an issue at any point in time. Um, so, so we're also very lucky there as well. It's awesome. You guys mentioned positivity and you said, you mentioned, you know, listening to the podcast, you heard stories about positivity in your own experience. Are there maybe advice that you could give something that you leaned on? I know Brooke, you just mentioned family. Uh, I know people have mentioned that. Is there anything that either of you can mention them? Like, how did you stay so positive? I mean, Ryan, 36, getting pancreatic cancer, knowing your uncle had it. So you knew the reality of it. And then, you know, realizing the the BRCA mutation, I think maybe that, I don't know if that helped a little bit um, or maybe that, if that didn't help clearly. Um, but like, I, you know, when you say about positivity, like how did that come, where did that come from? Or how did you guys instill that in, in what you guys were doing? Um, I guess... I'll, I guess I'll kind of give my answer to that and Brooke might have something to add or something different, but um, I you know I, I think it starts and I, I know I've mentioned is, is a good support system. Um, you know, just having somebody, you know, no matter who that may be. Um, I feel like I kind of had a support system at work um, to a certain degree with some coworkers, uh, my friends, He's got the My best, wife. the best friends. Like he's got friends that he grew up with and friends that he graduated high school with. Um, there's about a core group of like six guys. I mean, they have above and beyond um, helped out, sent gift cards, hmm. all sorts of different things. I mean, for not, some of them are still in the area, but some of them aren't. And they have just gone above his guy, he is so lucky with his guy friends. So lucky. I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah, no, but no. I mean, that was, yeah, no, I, your guy friends are so, phenomenal. I absolutely agree. Um, so yeah, so that, and then also having, um, my uncle and his wife who, you know, they've been through it, obviously each everybody's experiences and, um, cases are different. Um, but just, you know, using them as, I mean, we got so much information from them, that's been, that, that's been helpful. Um, just, you know, with, you know, things such as the diet, um, you know, just in how, you know, how they're feeling and j- just, you know, just, just different stuff. So I think that's helped. Um, uh, also did a, uh, I guess, I don't know what a positivity journal, I guess I'll call it. Um, I know there's lots of different variations, but started out, um, right away doing that as well too just things that you're grateful for um just yeah, thinking he, of those of, of those positives you know that are in your life um and just being reminded of that and i know from my time working in the cancer center that a positive attitude absolutely makes a difference uh i have seen it with my own eyes and again that doesn't mean that you aren't sad or angry or disappointed with your circumstances and 
that's where, you know, again, like at the beginning, Ryan was, Ryan was, you know, sad and mad and why does this have to happen? And, um, you know, I got him the gratitude journals because I was like, you need to change your mindset. This is not going to, you know, we aren't going to have a very nice journey. Um, not that having cancer is a nice journey, but you can definitely make it better by the way that you think about things. And, um, I could tell a huge difference. He wasn't into it right away, but I could tell a huge difference when he got consistent. And then he actually was like, Hey, where'd my journal go? I want to write my stuff down that I was, you know, had a good day today with this, this, and this. And, um, I, I noticed a difference in him when he was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely, I think that makes a difference. It's so powerful. I, I mean, uh, you know, we, we've talked, like you guys said, a lot about positivity and mindset, you know, which goes hand in hand with that. Right. So like your, your mind is this amazing organ that can do amazing mm-hmm. things. Right. And, uh, you know, not to say I, I'm not here advocating at all, please to, to say like mindset will cure cancer, but it, it's amazing what it can do to help that. Yes. Um, so I appreciate you guys being honest and, and sharing that with our audience. Ryan, you brought something up and I know we talked about this before, but I, I forgot to ask this and I want to ask this before I move on to my next question here. And I've got a couple more left here. Yeah. The diet. So I know you, Brooke, you mentioned early on reduce inflammation. Are you still eating that way? Is it still working out? Are you any tips, tricks? Um, I'm still, we'll say I'm eating 90% that way. <laughs> um, I have introduced, uh, you know, a, like the cheeses, like we like, um, I have introduced some of that stuff back in still pretty strict on the sugar, um, overall, and still haven't done, um, you know, red meats. Um, but, but, but really, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've still been pretty strict, um, as much as possible on that. I mean, we've had, you know, we have a few things, you know, like celebration dinners that we've had that I, you know, that we've gone, um, a little out of the, uh, I guess my new normal for, for eating. Um, but, uh, but no, overall, I would say, um, have stuck pretty close to it. Yeah. Awesome. And then, you know, overall, I guess I'll add this to it. Um, you know, I, I was a little overweight and so I ended up, I think at my lowest, I lost uh, about 40, 45 pounds. Um, and so I have gained a little bit of that back now, some of it, I think, you know, some's diet obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but then also others is, you know, I think the cancer, you know, chemo related. Um, cause you know, I did have a few drops in appetite. Uh, I guess I didn't mention that earlier. Um, with chemo, like the first couple of days after. Um, but so, but I'm, I'm back to, I think kind of a comfortable weight. Um, you know, so feel, yeah. So I feel really good. And I, you know, and at, at this point, it's something that I feel very comfortable continuing, you know, um, you know, for the rest of, you know, life or, you know, however, um, however long, but, uh, but yeah, so I, I think, uh, um, yeah, it has made a difference. And, and I forgot to ask this. So are you, because of the pancreatomy, the distal, are you a diabetic now as well or no? Did you know issues there? Nope. 
no no not, issues at all that i mean at yet. least yeah at least not yet but yeah um but yeah i because i know that there that has been a lot of um you know some of the guests that you've had have mm-hmm. have had that and that is something that yeah as of right now um has not been an issue awesome. and that's one of the reasons too um you know like his blood work today you can tell that he's been eating sugar this weekend we um we Halloween. were out of town and <laughs> just kind of yeah and you know it's like okay again, we're living our life. So you, you can't always do things sugar-free and, you know, that sort of thing. And so, uh, I can definitely tell in his blood sugars in his, <laughs> he's rolling he's got, his eyes. Gotta call me out on it. <laughs> <laughs> you can definitely tell that it was higher today than it usually is. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I, times where he's like, I, I want a Reese's or I want this. I'm like, okay, but you, we can't do this every day. This is a thing that we need to do. Not even in moderation, just very sparingly because, you know, do you want to end up being a diabetic? It's absolutely a possibility. Um, it still could be a possibility, right? I mean, it's just all dependent on what his body does, but we may as well do our part in trying to, um, not help it along and allow his body to function at the best that it can function. So, so yeah, it, his numbers definitely make a difference when he's not eating the sugar. They're, they're very normal. Um, and when he is eating it, they're, they're on the high end of normal. So we definitely will keep an eye on it and go from there. Yeah. But I, but I definitely feel like this is, can be a lifelong, you know, it's not, a fad diet or anything by any means. So it's, you know, I feel like this can be a lifelong, you know, I mean, at this point, I don't even really consider it a diet, I guess, but cause I've been in it long enough, but um, you know, I think this can be something that's lifelong um, of, of, of my way of way of life, I guess. Like a lifestyle change for the better. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Awesome. Um, next question here. And I got one more left after this. Mm-hmm. Someone listening at home, and I'd love to hear both sides here because this is a great podcast. You know, we have, because we, a lot of times we have one person on, um, sometimes we have just the spouse or we have the actual person who's gone through that journey. Someone listening at home, they're going through this, could be the spouse, could be the person. And and this is a loaded question. The next two are, are loaded. If you listen to previous podcasts, you know, they're coming, uh, What's the best advice you guys would give to someone who just got a diagnosis? And we'll go with Brooke first. We'll go ladies first. The best advice for somebody who just got diagnosed, I would say is to find your team, find good doctors that are willing to do what you want them to do. Um, you know, whatever that may be. So I think it also helps when you're on this path to have people that will help you with what you want. And if that doesn't happen to be in your area, then find someone else. Um, you know, again, when we met with the oncologist and the surgical oncologist that very first time, 
we got the impression from them based on how we kind of led the conversation that, you know, he's 36, we're going to do everything we can to beat this and get rid of it and be able to live, you know, a long, healthy life. We got the impression that they were, they were ready to be on that journey with us and that they were going to do what they could, you know, within their expertise to help us with that. Um, and that was very comforting. So in the stress and the scariness of a new pancreatic cancer diagnosis, having a team was very important. Yeah. Cause that definitely made, um, I think that kind of helped us stay positive as well too, of having that plan and, and feeling comfortable with what our doctors, you know, were recommending, but they were also listening to us as well too. And so, um, so being able to have that open, um, communication and dialogue. Um, and I think, I think that's what also helped as well too. I mean, we were given, you know, we were given kind of the facts of, of things and kind of their thoughts or recommendations, but then, you know, but they're all of their stuff was based off of, you know, research and studies and things like that. So, you know, so I, I left each appointment feeling pretty comfortable with, with, with our, you know, with our discussion with them and, and, uh, and, um, and what they had to say and, and, but yet feeling like we were still being heard as well too. And it was very interesting also, um, you know, for people who are listening to this and again, people who might be going through this, um, friends and family kept asking, you know, what stage are you, what stage are you? And when we would ask our oncologist, they don't give stages anymore. They won't tell you the stage. Um, and finally I just flat out asked, (laughs) we have people asking, where is he in this? You know, we have an idea where he is because of course we went and looked. Um, and she said, you know, things have changed so much in cancer and in medicine that it's not always necessary or helpful to give a stage because, that isn't necessarily an indicator for where this is going to go. And once we kind of stopped focusing on that, that also helped because it meant really that anything was possible, positive or negative, right? And so we chose to go with the positive that, okay, great, we can beat this. And, you know, they, they don't tell you, um, life expectancy. They don't tell you statistics. They don't tell you anything. And it was very frustrating at first, but once you find out why it was kind of liberating that then, you know, we could set our own path based on how we chose to go about it and how he responded and what we found to supplement or complement, you know, the things that came up, um, So I think you just, you just knocked the ball out of the park, Brooke, like with a home run to bring a baseball analogy into this. I could use a couple (laughs) other sports analogies because I'm a big sports guy. But so what you just said though, is, is just, I I just want to spend a minute here. Um, 
and this is just so powerful. I hopefully the audience listening at home, just like the, I was nodding here as you saw me, and smiling because, um, you know, this is kind of the 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 mental shift that I think everyone has to take. You know, we're talking about positivity, having a team, yeah, and all these things lead to having that positive mindset. And I'm not saying this is the cure for this disease, right? But it it helps and it helps tremendously. Mm-hmm. But I think Absolutely. what happens is. Ryan's not a number, right? Like he's not a statistic. And that's how I think the mindset of people like doctors stage it. And I know people want to know because then they want to go to the internet and they want to look at that. But I know we've yes. talked about this. Which so, is awful, by the awful, way. It's ter- awful, you know, right? I mean, it, stay off the internet. I had to stop. I had to stop looking yeah. because I stay couldn't Stay out go of there. the groups. Some of the groups are yes, really toxic, yes. right? Yes. Everything's doom and gloom. Ryan and Brooke, you guys know the reality, right? You don't need to be reminded of the reality all the time, but you're living proof that you're not the re- the so-called, again, air quotes here, so-called reality of what this is, and you're not that statistic. And I think that's where the medical community, I think, you know, I- I'm going to beat up on the doctors here a little bit. You know, I, I think there's um, there's some really smart and talented doctors, and there's some some ones out there that don't have empathy and don't have bedside manner. And, you know, I, I've said this before on the podcast, if you find those guys, like, don't go, don't go see them, go, go find someone yes. else. Yes. Because at the end of the day, no one knows. I mean, we've had stage four patients on this podcast that are alive for 11 years, Yeah. you know, and so, and they're thriving, they're living. So just so that you're given a, a stage four diagnosis doesn't mean that that's it. Like you're done. Like right. that, that's not yes. the reality, but like if you get that staging and you get that and you're that number again here in air quotes or you go out to that face group group or you go and look on the internet you're not going to find anything good um right you know but you know the reality of it so i i love what you just said that's just so powerful and um i'm going to try to take that clip and we're going to try to <laughs> use that over and over again now that no i'm, I'm just <laughs> joking with you to give you guys full credit but that that is so powerful there uh, what you guys both said and and i thank you for your honesty and for that advice uh for the audience listening at home so my last question, and since you've listened to many episodes, you know probably this one was coming. This is uh, usually typically our last ep- uh, last question, and, w- and we will share with our audience where to connect with you guys. Um, how would you guys define the term pancreatic cancer? This is your definition, how you guys define it, how you guys have dealt with it and on this journey. And we'll go to Brooke first, and then we'll go to Ryan. Oh. Uh, um, I... I do remember that this is the question and I should have thought about it a little bit more. Um, you know, the, if I'm going to be honest, the first thing that comes to mind, a pain in the ass, um, you know, it sucks, but pancreas, you know, I will, I could give a long winded answer like I've done with a lot of the other things, Um, but I'm going to say that pancreatic cancer is survivable and that's what I'm going to leave it with. I love it. Brian. All right. Um, it's, it's, it's different depending on the person. Um, it's, 
Oh, good one. It's, um, you know, none of, none of them are alike. And I, you know, I guess we could say that for, you know, just the definition of cancer, just in general, but, um, you know, what works for, for us and, and what our experience is totally different, um, than anybody else's experience. And so, um, you know, so it's kind of, I, I think, I think it is what you, what you make of it. Um, and, you know, and, and fighting and, um, uh, you know, just, just attacking it. Um, so, so yes, like my, like Brooke said, um, it, it sucks. Uh, but once again, it, it is beatable and it, it's possible. And so keep, keep the positive mindset. Um, and keep fighting. And yeah, to keep the fighting. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't know if I gave much of a definition really there, but it's, uh, but I guess kind of repeating kind of, kind of our big points of what we, what we wanted to say. Awesome. You guys both did an amazing job. Uh, last thing, someone listening at home heard something, they want to connect with you. Uh, maybe they're going through the same journey and would love to know more about the diet, uh, more about positivity. Where's the best place for people to connect with both of you guys? Yeah, absolutely. So um, people could email me and uh, the email, it's a Gmail. So it's Brooke, B-R-O-O-K-E, H-1684 at gmail.com. I've had it for years. Don't judge the <laughs> the name and the numbers. Um, but yes, please. We would love to connect with people. We would love to be able to share um, again, like Ryan said, things that worked for us. Um, and, you know, we have thought from the beginning that um, we've been put on this journey for a reason. And we want to, we want to share, we want to educate. Um, so please reach out. We would love it. Awesome. Oh, you, yeah. Feel free if, I mean, you can email me, but we're on social media, Brooke Dwars. Actually, social media has my, it's Brooke Hammond Dwars, um, Instagram. I'm not on Twitter, but Ryan's on Twitter. So please reach out, follow us. Yeah. And, and so our last name is spelled since it's such a kind of a different one. It's a D-W-A-R-S. Awesome. Brooke, Ryan. Thank you for sharing your journey with our audience and for allowing me the opportunity. It's been an honor. Um, so many, I, I took a whole page of notes plus and, you know, something that, uh, you know, just has stuck out here in, in the notes is just the, the power of positivity. Um, you know, I, I, I've interviewed, <laughs> I don't even know what the number is. This is probably going to be episode like 180, quite honestly. Uh, so there's been a lot of episodes, but we've had a lot of survivors on. We've had a couple young people, um, you know, but your attitude and your positivity that came across the screen here, you know, I'm fortunate to see you guys as we record this. I always say, I wish we do a video vlog with this, uh, is just amazing. So thank you for allowing us the opportunity here at Project Purple to share in your journey with our audience. And thank you for all you guys are doing for the pancreatic cancer community. Thank you. Thank we you appreciate so much. it too.
That's a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. If you like what you hear today, feel free to share this episode and follow us wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, please be safe. Thanks for listening and enjoy your day. Thank you.